Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everybody. I'm John Cena, 16-time WWE champ, saying support Russell Talk because they talk about wrestling, and I like it. So do us all a favor and subscribe, please. And thank you. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swaft Nation. Hello to you, Oliver Davis. In this, a bit of a slightly different format for the Wrestle Ramble. How the devil are you? Mm, yeah, so we are. Uh, it's New Year, new starts, New Year's resolutions. That lovely pay per view that will probably happen eventually. New Year's revolution, I believe. Revolutions. It was. Uh, and it was final resolution, was the, uh, right. the TNA one. Why didn't anyone want that one on the Patreon <laughs> poll? Well, I know. No one no one voted for it. Instead, we just got Wrestle Kingdoms. Mm. Those long, long Wrestle Kingdom pay-per-views. The, the two-day-long Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> shows, which is good. Like That's going to have some great wrestling. Really looking forward to watching Isn't it. Isn't it just? I'm really looking forward. Well, I mean, we yeah, Wrestle Kingdom is currently leading mm. the poll for the Wrestle Ramble Extra. I'm really looking forward to re-watching that if it does win. Which one is it? Is it 10 Wrestle or King- 12? 10. Ooh. Splendid. Yes. And that's got AJ Nakamura, AJ Nakamura. and uh, Akada Tanahashi. Tanahashi, sure. Oh, good. That's cool. Yes. Those, are, those are very good. Ishii's got a good match in that. He certainly has because it's the triple th- uh, triple main event. Mm. Yeah. I, is it Shibata? I think it is Shibata. It is Shibata, in fact. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I just I just threw a dart there, really, and said, <laughs> I, uh, Ishii has a good match on the show, doesn't he? Yeah. You're probably going to be right. <laughs> oh, yeah. He does have a good match. Yeah, he does. That's, that's a New Japan cheat, everyone. If you want to sound like you know something about New Japan, just go, oh, yeah, Ishii had a really good match, didn't he? Yeah. And the other person will say, yeah, he did, actually. Yeah, it was a good, great match. Uh, another one is like, the Juniors match was good. The Juniors match was good. Yeah. Like usually, junior heavyweight. junior heavyweight match. That's always usually a lot of fun. Or Young Bucks had a good match. Yep, that's. Uh, or no, Young Bucks had a good match. They really showed a different side of themselves. <laughs> that's another. New it Japan wasn't. Sheet. It wasn't just a spot fest, yeah, which is what Jim Cornette seems to think it is. How many times do people have to say, huh, "It's not just a spot fest with the Young Bucks"? Yeah. When we're like, okay, that yeah, because this is the style of match they have. It's pretty. Just a damn fine wrestling match. It's the same with uh, Kenny Omega, though. Like, Kenny yeah. Omega has a match, you're like, well, well, it wasn't just a spot fest, was it? I think first impressions do stick with you quite avidly. And with the Young Bucks, they everyone probably saw either Generation Me and Super Kicks. Mm-hmm. Or with Kenny Omega, they saw the, the doll match. No, the girl, the girl match. Yes. And the uh, DDT uh, match that went around... 
you know, you've seen it where it's everywhere. It's like a fool's count. Yeah, 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 yeah. So People who think that the comedy wrestling is mm. just like it's destroyed someone's credibility forever and ever and ever. Uh, but I would argue those mixed match challenge promos do more than oh, that. I would completely agree. Like we got, I got a tweet earlier that said that the uh, the Miz did much better, did a much better job of putting Asuka over than her entire main roster run into their mixed match mixed match challenge segment. Whereas I felt it was incredibly damaging to her character. Yeah. Well, without further ado, we uh, won't do any reviews this week. Uh, this well, this episode we'll, we'll be back with those on Saturday. Though, let's get on with the slightly rejigged format review show. Is there a faction war brewing in WWE? It seems so with the return of the Miz. That's what we're going to start off with here in a slightly reformatted Wrestle Ramble. Going to talk about the big talking point first. So, Raw, we've got the the Shield, i.e., the Champions Club. Nicely coined by Jason Jordan. What a terrible name that is. Uh, we've got the the Balor Club, newly formed as of last week. And the return of The Miz creates The Miz Tourage. It's Royal Rumble season. What do you think? I, I feel like this is more just for Royal Rumble season. Uh, it's kind of the same way you've got Absolution mm. and you've got the Welcoming Committee and uh, the Riot Squad Don't over on, on, on SmackDown Live. So it's less of like, we are starting a faction war here in WWE. But we are forming these alliances because they will help people come to the Royal Rumble. Also, you get to do that famous and most popular of WWE um, bits of commentary, which is like, well, what's going to happen in the Royal Rumble if it comes down to two of the people of the Balor Club? Or what's going to happen if it comes down to Rusev Day? What's going to happen? Mm. It's every man for himself in the Royal Rumble. So, yeah, but I kind of like this. And also, it's a very interesting uh, bit of note. On NXT TV last week when they were doing their sort of like, hey, here's what you can expect coming in the new year. Do you know who was missing from the tag team package? Oh, uh, I was going to say War Machine, but that's a bit premature. Authors of Pain? Sanity. Oh! So if you're talking about... A Royal Rumble debut, So if you're thinking of Faction Wars, then like what better than to bring up uh, NXT's most dominant faction Uh currently, maybe. Um, I mean, they didn't win war games, but you know, they, you know, bring it. I, I, my fancy booking of this, and I've got a video uh, coming out on Saturday that kind of like talks about this a little Mm. bit. My fancy booking scenario is that Eric Young isn't actually even an entrant into the Rumble. They just debut and just mess up with, just mess things up. And because then, that is chaos. That fits within their remit. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's insanity. So it's not, they're not one of the like Eric Young isn't one of the thirty. No, neither are the other two. It's more rumble than ever. <laughs> It is more rumble than ever. They're just going to run down and attack people. Or just come out from the crowd and just attack people. Start a feud with another three-man faction. Well, I really like the idea that they don't have a brand either. And they just like... So they attack on Raw, and then they also attack on SmackDown Live as well. You really have been fantasy booking. And and then maybe there's a bidding war between both general (laughs) managers. Get William Regal involved. Yeah, you know, that sort of thing. This is the template of every (laughs) Luke fantasy booking. But what are your thoughts on a, a potential faction war incoming? Do you think there is one? Uh, I, I agree with you. I think it is just WWE booking for Royal Rumble season. They thought, oh, we can have a few tense stare-offs. It's it's kind of easier, I imagine, to... Because you've got 30 people in a Royal Rumble match. It's very hard to give each one of those 30 people an individual narrative with stories. So what you can do is you can clump them together and say, well, rather than these three people having different feuds and motivations and stories, they could just all be one so conceivably you could 
30 stories could get down to 10. Yes. If you just, it was a Royal Rumble of three man factions. But I kind of like that because it tells a different story to last year's Rumble. Because mm. last year's Rumble was all about, it's the most star studded Rumble of all time, I think was their tagline. Because you had Goldberg, Taker, Lesnar, yeah. you had all these massive names in there. And so- somehow this year's Rumble is more rumble than that. Well, there's more rumble because there's two of them. Right. Is that what it is? Uh, that's what I'm that's my guessing for it. It's more rumble uh, than ever because this time there's two of them. Um so yeah. It, by the way, this is Michael Cole's uh, cool on commentary. Todd's as well. Yeah. Todd Phillips. Mm. Is that his name? Todd Phillips. Yeah, he did it. He said it twice in the Smackdown broadcast, at least twice. And WWE's official Twitter account posted that slogan. Oh, did they really? Yeah, it's happening. I text as soon as I heard Michael Cole say it the second he finished those words I mean I've written in my notes here in all caps more rumble than ever and I text it to you in all caps because I was like that's that's their tagline it was after Samoa Joe challenged John Cena in the Royal Rumble match and Michael Cole's were like whoa it's gonna be more rumble than ever (laughs) which doesn't tie into the whole two Royal Rumble things it's just like oh two guys are gonna fight in the Rumble yeah I mean it's pretty pretty standard it's like the (laughs) Maybe that's what he means. This is the most rumble thing ever to happen. <laughs> exactly. People are going to get thrown over the top rope. <laughs> it's rumble. Two feet have yeah. to touch the floor. More rumble than ever. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by this. What I found most fascinating about this, though, it's kind of builds on the discussion that you and I had last week, where we were being a bit pessimistic about it, where we thought the Balor Club might just be a one-off. You thought the Balor Club. I I was like optimistic and I put my my bed on them staying together. I was very pessimistic about the whole mm. thing because my feeling was well if this is Balor Club's debut if you are sticking these three together as a as a faction as a unit you did a piss poor job of introducing them last week in a pointless backstage segment that just led into a redundant main event match. It didn't feel like it's the big debut of the Balor Club. It was just like these three lads have got nothing to do, so now they're together. But then this week, the whole thing was built around like these guys have been best friends for years. They dominated Japan. They did X. They did Y. They've done Z. And you're like, why didn't you do this last week? Why didn't you build this up rather than just being like, here you are. This is what you've been asking for. We've done it for you. You happy now? It's exactly what happened with the Shield reunion, though. Yeah, here it is. Enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy. Look, they did the fist bump. Pop now. I feel like there was definitely a New Japan thing with... There were so many name drops to New Japan in Mm. the show. Uh, Backstage, Carl Anderson name drops Tamatonga and Bad Luck Farley Mm -hmm. when they were recounting old drinking stories. Did you catch the line when the Ballad Club made their entrance for the main event? And Corey Graves says on commentary, this was always their mission to being the elite. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think I must have missed that. That was quite ham-fisted. That little bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Corey's really good sometimes. Oh, I really like Corey. I'm a big, big mm. fan of Corey Graves. Of, of of the six commentators that they have, he is by far... Well, five, I suppose. He's by far the best they have. It's weird, though, how if you factor in NXT commentators... He's like second or third best. I'd say third best, yeah, because I really like Morrow and I, I, I swore then. I absolutely love Nigel McGuinness. Naughty Luke. Naughty Luke. Naughty Luke. So back to the faction war. We, yeah. we almost rambled away from it. The three main factions are the Shield plus Jordan. You've got the Balor Club. I see Balor Club taking a tweener role. Mm. That was the impression I got here. Well, they certainly worked heel in the main event. They worked heel, yeah. They worked over because it was Roman Reigns getting... Uh, beat up for the majority of the main event and then he got the hot tag to Rollins. Uh, 
but they're, they're also grinny and smiling all the time and the commentators are putting them over and that's essentially what the Bullet Club were, the Japanese version of the Ballet Club, where they are cool bad guys. You know, it's the NWO. The NWO with exactly. the two suites. So I think that's a really good position for them to take, especially in the dynamic of the baby faces of the shield and the very obvious heels of the Miz-Taraj. Like yeah. They're out and out bad chicken S-word heels. Uh, yeah, because the Miz returned with Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. Why are the Miz-Taraj always involved <laughs> in these three-man group because comebacks? They have no one else, I guess. Like, th- this is really all they have. Like, when the Shield... We need a, a six-man to put the Shield together. I guess it's The Miz. Uh, we need mm. The Miz and his two comedy lackeys. But, you know, WWE have been doing such a great job over the last couple of weeks putting them in competitive matches with Finn Balor that perhaps now they just yeah. think they're over. Yeah. I was being sarcastic yes, as well. I, I, I thought that was terrible booking. Uh, but the the Ballad Club I'm intrigued by, I think they've got legs here. And they see... yeah. The way they showed the photo montage of their relationship before WWE, the, the explanation, do you remember what it was? Luke Gallows said, oh, the reason we didn't team together right away was because we wanted to do our own things for a bit, see how successful we were. So do your own things was teaming with AJ Styles yes, as essentially exactly. the, the Balor Club. <laughs> and, then, and then lies. And then AJ got drafted, so you just had to go and do whatever doctor stuff mm. that they did where they were comedy geeks. and oh, yeah. And now they just say nerds a lot. And Balor was dressing up as the Pumpkin King. Now they can come together because they have no programs. They hit. They had to hit rock bottom <laughs> before they could rebuild themselves back up. Yeah. yeah, because it was SummerSlam 2016 where Balor won the Universal Title. Previous in like before in that show, there's a backstage skit where AJ and uh, Balor, no, sorry, AJ Gallows and Anderson are doing a little scientist skit and Finn Balor walks past yeah. and the whole crowd are like wow and they go like hey you know one more time so they were trying to recruit <laughs> Balor before yeah but honestly the little men in black thing you meant yeah. to forget all that mate it's no they've been shame. biding their time that's the story so this faction warfare really is the main events I mean if you I don't feel like the Universal title is the main event scene at the moment. Particularly not with the the uh, the gimmick they did this mm, week. We'll where, come on to that. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah, so you've got the Shield, which have all the titles. You've got the Intercontinental title belt on Roman and the Tag Team Championships on Rollins and Jordan. And now you've got the Balor Club, uh, which was the opening stare down in the middle of the ring. That's how Raw kicked off. Uh, after Michael Cole introduced Roman as having the one an all-time classic last week. Mm-hmm. An all-time classic. I think particularly given how well-received Wrestle Kingdom has been, mm. they were very much in high gear trying to put over how great their matches were last week. We had great matches too, you know. Yeah, it's it's. I liked that match. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked too. the match last week, but Michael Cole saying that, I mean, well, it wasn't that good a match. <laughs> you know, why are you making me feel things I don't want to feel, Cole? Uh, and then Jordan comes out to celebrate with you know, Roman. Funny enough, I had that because um, Jericho's uh, latest podcast is mm. with Kenny Omega again. And um, it's essentially just Jericho. It's not kayfabe. It's, well, they talk about that. It is essentially Jericho talking about how great the match was. 
and him and Kenny then talking about like man we had an all time classic like what a great match we had it was what star ratings and stuff it made me like the match less mm. because it was then just these two sitting around just plat- patting themselves on the back being like man what a great job we did yeah. didn't we do great critics loved it it's like I agree with you <laughs> but you saying that there's a, there's always a little bit in Simon that goes well it wasn't that good yeah you know as soon as someone tells me to think something, mm. that that little annoying smarky voice in the back of my head is like, eh, yeah, not that good. Uh, so yes, Jordan comes out to celebrate with Reigns. Yeah. And Reigns doesn't want anything to do with him. I thought Jordan played his role perfectly here. I love how he just kept saying we <laughs> yeah. in this, as if he's already decided, well, Dean Ambrose is out, so we're the shield now. Someone, um, a friend of mine tweeted me the other day saying, like, he has to come out with a shield vest next week. Like, that would be so uh, yeah. great. Like, that would be really awesome. Or, uh, but. Th- or do, oh, the- like, doing their entrance, like coming out from the ring, yeah. like coming out from the uh, the crowds. That would be so funny. That would be really good. Just the troll reigns. And Rollins has a nice dynamic within this group of trying, at least trying to mentor Jordan, even though he thinks he's an idiot. And Reigns is like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. Yeah. So that that's really, I really like the storytelling that they're doing there. And then Finn Balor with the Balor Club come out. So happy. Yeah. <laughs> they're all smiling now. Yeah. Not oh, just that, Balor. No. There was a really odd chant that happened twice in uh, in this match, or in this match, during this segment, where the crowd, I think they were expecting the crowd to chant Daddy's Boy, mm. which has been kind of like a running theme for, for Jason Jordan. But they weren't. They were chanting Who's Your Daddy, which was the one they were doing for The Miz when Enzo started yes. that but Which I thought was a, an odd chant because, what's well, Kurt Angle? We know that. That was the big reveal last mm. year. That, that seems like a redundant question from the crowd. Yeah, take that crowd. They weren't very good, were they, Memphis? No, sadly not, because Memphis is usually a great crowd. Well, that's, it plays into my, my theory that these crowds want to have fun, but WWE just <laughs> chips away at them. Like, no, 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 you've got to sit through main event first. Do they still do that? They do, they do still do Yeah, I think that's where the revival are. Yeah, and then you've got to sit through all these long in-ring promos and oh, packages yeah. backstage. I mean, we'll come on to that when we get to mm. uh, talk about Rusev Day in the SmackDown review. Yeah, uh, but then, yeah, the Ballad Club are so happy. And Finn cuts an okay promo. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't, I, it wasn't so much his performance. It was more the WWE speak he had to say within it. I, this was really highlight for me because they, they had this video package at the start which, but highlighting the all-time classic between Roman and Joe from it was last an week. Classic. It was an all-time classic. Five stars, mate. It was... Uh, oh, I'm just trying to do a Wrestle Kingdom joke. <laughs> if, if, if only Okada and Naito could live up to Joe versus Reigns yeah. on an episode of Raw. Exactly, yeah. It was Raw's version. It was Naito, Naito and Omega was their version of Joe versus yes. Roman. Yeah, yeah, that's more like it. Um but I forgot the point I was going to make now. Yeah, they had a Roman's promo in there and Samoa Joe's promo. Samoa Joe's promo was all fired up and he was full of piss and vinegar. And then it cut to Roman Reigns, who's just like, I'm going to try and keep my cool out there. I hope. <laughs> walks away. And then when Balor was cutting his promo, I just had all these flashbacks of just like, I hope. Mm. And it's, it is this... Balor's not a bad promo, but he, when he's he's not a brilliant he's not a brilliant promo either. But when he's just given these awfully scripted things, and he just has to you have to stick to the letter of it, I don't think he's 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 not charismatic enough to get past that. Yes, yeah. 
He can deliver the lines fine. He yes. never screws up the lines. No. But the lines aren't good. No, they have no meaning behind them. But the worst one for me was when he had to call Dean. So when he was talking about Dean Ambrose not being there anymore and Jason Jordan has taken his place, he said, the lunatic fringe Dean Ambrose. I yeah. Said, oh, why does everyone <laughs> talk the same? That's not how real life works. Although I did, there was a nice moment in there from Seth Rollins who didn't lift the mic up. He just off mic just went, watch your mouth, man. Yeah, which I, I like that. That's a really nice touch. It reminded me of the Samoa Joe Paul Heyman segments mm. from last year, where they, they had this conversation that was all off mic and it was just all done. It was just picked up on on In camera. The corner. Oh, it was I'm great. Sorry, I'm going to have to do this too. Yeah. Don't, don't kill him, Joe. <laughs> it was real. Uh, there was uh, someone pointed out on Reddit that Bala went. Oh, what's that? That what that word we use? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for yeah. Uh, the, the N word. Yeah. And I got the flashbacks to the <laughs> South, South Park. Park episode. Oh nagger. You yeah. meant naggers. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, but of course it was nerds. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's the joke they were trying to make. No, but, they, uh, they were. They were try- I think they were trying to say, "What's that word I'm thinking of?" And then I think as soon as Bala said it, he was probably like, "Oh, that came out much yeah, worse than yeah. I intended it to." But anyway, Kurt Angle then is like, well, you're all having fun, aren't you? Let's make it a six-man tag for later in the show. Oh, uh, and this is where Jordan coined them the Champions Club. Champions Club. I love Jason Jordan. He's my favourite thing on Raw. So it's like, uh, yeah, because a lot of people don't like Jordan's character. And they're like, well, he's babyface. Why is he being so rubbish? But he's, he's a heel. He's a spoilt brat within the thin charade of a baby face. And, and that's why his character's so complex. And just wait until he finally snaps and yeah. attacks his dad. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, or he's just going to exploit Kurt's relationship with him yeah. to the, you know, to the full extent. Which they sort of build up when they were talking about <laughs> when he was talking with the bar later yeah. on. And we've got a little advert here for... Well, uh, can I just say oh, one more thing yes. about the Champions Club? Mm-hmm. It made me think of when it, that scene in Anchorman where the, the toilet store <laughs> it was that kind of rubbish playground comeback yeah. that you like that your mate makes and you're like oh mate and it's when you they, ruined it for it's us when now. he said like calls himself the champions club Rollins and Reigns' reaction to it like I'm I'm a big fan of Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns when he can do his subtle reaction just give us 20 down thumbs <laughs> when Roman Reigns can do his subtle reactions of just like oh this geek mm. it's like Rollins is perfect at it but Reigns I, just, I love his little tweaks to it I really like it Reigns is good at those expressions but they mean nothing because he once said suffering succotash the anniversary <laughs> of which is coming up. Is it really? It's like a three-year anniversary. Oh, man. Of, uh, it's been almost three years since Reigns said suffering succotash, son. The widely agreed moment that everyone was like, nah, he's, no, we don't like him anymore. <laughs> Actually, no, he's rubbish, isn't he? Like, he was a wicked Royal Rumble, eliminate everyone. Now we're over it. Yeah, yeah. Forced down their throats. <laughs> so let's follow this through. Sorry, but- I, I, there's a... Um, uh, a, a Quick ad. Oh, no, you wanted to talk about uh, The Miz, right? The Miz continuing the fact. Yes, let's talk about The Miz. So uh, you've got the Balor Club and and the Shield or the Champions Club. And then we get The Miz's return. So Elias opened it up. And then The Miz was like. He's got to get him on the card, I guess, get some cheap heat. Yeah. I wanted him to stay out there with them. But he's not like, I don't know. It it feels like he's supposed to be part of this. Mm. Because they bring him in and it's like, ladies and gentlemen, Elias. And then he does his like, your town's stupid. And then he just like, and here's, yeah. here's the Miz. And then he walks off. So it's like, well, what was the point of this segment? This was just, it's filling time. This is a, a waste of time. And also, like, the Miz to Raj aren't a credible threat. No. Like, none of them have been built up. Even the Miz, who's like the most noteworthy one of them. He's a chicken S-word heel, so it doesn't really 
work credible credibility-wise against Balor Club and The Shield. However, if that now becomes a four-man faction and you've always got someone on the outside, mm-hmm. then it's you sort of like, oh, maybe they could cheat their way uh, to victory here. So what, I, I would be all in favour of making Elias a full-time member of the Miztourage. What you've essentially done there is the WWE booking when they were doing um, TLC. Yes. And they were suddenly just like, oh, I'm going to face the Miztourage. Oh, no, wait, they're a bit rubbish. Uh, the Bar. Oh, wait, that's not good enough either. Kane. Oh, no, that's not good enough either. Braun Strowman. Yeah. That, that's fine. Now, now that's a credible threat. But I, I think the Miztourage, you know, they're, they're acting stars. You could bill Elias as a country and western star hmm. and that composer you, you could have no 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 no. it's the miztourage featuring a line oh, okay i like that and yeah he's like yeah he opens yeah. he opens up for them mm-hmm. yeah. yeah okay uh so the miz returns and he sort of hosts miz tv but then he doesn't there's some nice comedy with bo dallas and curtis axel trying to give him gifts yeah i i, I like them as as comedy geeks mm. it's very good it's just when they start to dominate finn balor that i, uh, yes. I turn off on them but i i thought it was great but i tell you what though I thought Miz was great here. And I was I was really happy to see the Miz back. You know, he's been gone for a couple of weeks. It was just lovely to see him back on TV. Mm. And it just when the way he cuts a promo, and he's so good at cutting WWE promos. Like, they give him all this scripted stuff, and he's very good at kind of working around that, making it sound like his own voice. I thought this was a really solid promo. Yeah. The, uh, Wrestling Observer Radio pointed out recently... Uh, it was ever since the Miz won the Superstar of the Year or whatever it is from, from Rolling, Rolling Stone. Stone, and Meltzer was not happy with that. Were they really? <laughs> well, of course oh, he geez. wasn't. It wasn't Japanese. He hasn't <laughs> wrestled at the Tokyo Dome. Where was he January fourth? Yeah. And it, he says, and it, I, I do agree with him though, that Miz is an excellent. To- well, this was more Alvarez's point. Miz is an excellent talker. He can talk really well. There's no argument against that. He's one mm-hmm. of the best talkers in WWE. But as a wrestling promo, so a promo, a wrestling promo is meant to make you want to see a match. Mm-hmm, yeah. Do you ever come out of a Miz segment? It must be very rare going, oh, I want to see him wrestle that match. That's a really great yeah, point, actually. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a really interesting point because this was a promo where he, he cut an, uh, a promo on Roman Reigns and it didn't make me go like, oh, man, I can't wait to see them have their, their rematch. Mm. No, it just made me like, okay, so Miz is going into a program with Reigns then. Yeah. And it was exactly the same with the John Cena stuff at last year's WrestleMania. Oh, like, I think that's a little bit different because I, I, that, I thought though the pair of them when he was doing their movies mm. and they were doing their um, Total Bella um, skits. Yeah, I actually thought that made me more interested in the match. It made me more interested in the match than Cena and Nikki did. Yeah. Well, it made me interested in the feud. It didn't make me interested in the match. But I think the, the two go hand in hand. I, 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 they're not as connected as I thought they once were. Anyway, I thought that was a very good point, and that is my only criticism of Miz's otherwise excellent talking ability. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's still angry that Reigns took his title. He's going to get his title back. And, yeah, it's it's another example of this three-man faction warfare. And it all culminated uh, later on in the night with the main event of Balor Club versus Champions Club. Absolutely. I'm calling them. <laughs> yep. And it starts off with that slideshow of Finn, Luke and Carl travelling around the world, as we've already talked about, and the Corey Graves reference. And then, yeah, the actual match. Yeah, I really... I mean, the, the highlight for me in this match was Jason Jordan celebrating with Roman and Seth, even though he hadn't done anything. Mm. He was, like, cheerleading on the outside as if he had done loads in this match and was, like, always celebrating with them. And every time he did, they were like, get off me, you geek. Yeah. And uh, and it was... I really enjoyed that. But there was a really killer point in this, and it was a really subtle thing. 
I'm going to read this as a subtle thing, as opposed to all the WWE stars have just been like, you know, they're all the same Lego figures that you mm. just do the same thing with, um, or the same building blocks. He was mimicking everything that Seth Rollins was doing for the hot tag. Really? Seth Rollins would walk down uh, the, the apron. Jason Jordan would do the same thing. He'd run ah. back, grab the tag rope, reach in for the hand. And it was like, Rollins would do it. And then like 10 seconds later, uh, Jason Jordan would do the exact same thing. And it really felt like I read it as Jordan was trying to mimic mm. Seth to be like, look, we are, we're, we're all on the same mindset. We're all reading each other's minds because we're the most dominant uh, three-man team in this company. I didn't notice that, but if that is the case, that is... Uh, I, ca- I cannot see how people aren't cutting <laughs> on to what Jordan's doing yeah. here. I think he's absolutely superb. And the and to WWE's credit, they're the ones writing the character as well. Yeah. So you've got you've to say great performance from Jordan, great character and stuff to make him do by WWE. That is stuff good. He's doing... Angle in 2000, mm. where he is just, he's a legit badass That's in the good, ring. He can he can win matches, but he's also a bit of a comedy tool. But he can't win matches. That's the well, other element well, to no, his sport, Brad character. Yeah, but what I quite like about like Jordan, particularly last week when he did win his match, even though he won it like more or less by the skin of his teeth, he celebrated like, oh, yeah. like he'd won the WWF Championship. So the match ended with Jordan costing the Champions Club the 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 loss victory whatever it is yeah so Jordan tries to get in um and that made the referee miss the hot tag from Rollins to Reigns yes yeah or it might be the other way around no because it was Rollins who got pinned oh okay yes yeah, yeah that makes sense uh, and then the ballot this allowed the ballot club to do the coup de gras and then pin Seth Rollins once Reigns was taken out on the outside absolutely yeah mm. I, I thought it was a, a pretty solid uh, main event and then uh, the Miz and the Miz came out afterwards and attacked uh, Roman giving them the skull crush and finale and then doing uh, the shield bomb your favourite yes. um, to to wipe him out as the show went off the air the Wrestle Ramble will be right back after these short messages This episode of Wrestle Ramble is brought to you in part by Patreon. For just $5 a month, you can get early access to our YouTube videos and our monthly Wrestle Ramble Extra, where Ollie and I review classic pay-per-views as voted for by our Patreon backers. We've covered Money in the Bank 2011, Halloween Havoc 98, Survivor Series 98, and Armageddon 2000. And this month could be either Wrestle Kingdom 10 with AJ Styles vs Shinsuke Nakamura, or Royal Rumble 2000 featuring Cactus Jack vs Triple H in a street fight. There are other great perks, including fast-tracked questions to the Wrestle Ramble mailbag and personalised shoutouts. So head over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk for more information. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Haha, <laughs> it's a raw review looking jacked, man. We're trying to follow a theme through. That's what we're trying to start off with the big story and we'll follow that through the episode. And now we're going to go back and just... Uh, do a play-by-play. Play. Talk about talk about the other stuff that probably wasn't as important mm. on Raw. Although I will say this, uh, the one of the theme tunes for this year's Royal Rumble is Little Mix, which was released like three years ago. Yeah, but not in the states. Oh, was it, was, just, it, was, it was released last. Is that how it works. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, this uh, UK stars. You mm. dominate the UK first, and then you move over to the US, and you kind of release the stuff that you haven't like released there before. I thought, and I think that song came out last year. I think. I thought Little Mix were already pretty big over there. And not that I'm aware of, not to yeah. not to this point anyway. But I, either way, great song, and uh, I love Little Mix. I think they're awesome. It's a great song, but will you like it after all the promos with Cole going? It's more <laughs> Rumble than ever. I skip those bits. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to Michael Cole talking about like it's the beast Brock Lesnar, mm. and he doesn't have to get pinned to lose the championship. I can just skip those yeah. bits. I know what the, the card is, and I know why I should watch the pay per view. Copy C, <laughs> Control C, C. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh, but um, I, I, just, yeah, I like Little Mix. So the opening match of Raw was Sasha Banks and Bailey beating Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. As I've written here, we've seen this match in some variation for weeks now. Mm. As soon as this match was announced, I rolled my eyes. I was like, I'm almost certain I saw this match last week. If not last week, the week before. I'm pretty sure I've seen Mickey, Bailey, and Sasha versus Paige, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville in just some variation, maybe singles matches. But these six women have just faced each other for what feels like months. It's the same on SmackDown as well. Oh, yeah. But at least on SmackDown, no, at least on Raw, they're protecting Absolution somewhat. I, I disagree, though, because, okay, so Paige is obviously still injured. She's not medically cleared. That's why she was at ringside rather than being in the match. But Mandy Rose and Deville, this is one of their, you know, first outings as a unit. They get beaten. Yeah, but Paige is the star. Yeah, well, yeah. But <laughs> you know, it's, it's like if they faced across against the Miztourage, the Miztourage would probably mm. lose because Miz is the star. But well, I always on, thought on... that the point was to build up some new talent. Well, yeah, you'd think yeah. that, wouldn't you? But that's that's not WWE's MO. So, so you're you're helping me understand WWE's mindset rather than agreeing with it. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, as opposed to on SmackDown, though, Ruby Wright just gets beaten all the time. So, mm. in fact, actually, in the Wright squad, none of them are stars. So yeah, this was an okay match. It was it wasn't bad. No, it just, I've, uh, I've seen it. Yeah, I've I've seen it all before, mate. And then, it, then, it, it was and what actually was really annoying about this is that Absolution just completely dominated the match. Bank statement out of nowhere, Absolution lose. Mm. It's like so no one gets over. 
Then we had Cedric Alexander and Goldust backstage. <laughs> yep. This was pretty neato, I thought. Yeah, Goldust cut a rocky promo. He started doing rocky lines in his little weird voice, doing his uh, Mickey impression. He was dressed up with the... The, what, what was he called those beanie hats beanie and hats and everything yeah Par- problem was it was that WWE had written pauses into the script so the crowd could laugh and no one did mm. so there were just lots of bits of dead air which made it awkward and uncomfortable but it's your boy Goldust it is my boy Goldust but like this is not the gold I missed Goldust heel turn and then they showed and this was the first one of what was a a bad two days for <laughs> kayfabe ruining, baffling <laughs> booking of mixed match challenge announcements. Yeah. Where Goldust, without his makeup on, was shown on Raw, which I don't think you should do. Uh, he, he's putting on his makeup. And then Alicia Fox came in and like, we're partners. We're like, you are the, the, the worst team. You're getting eliminated <laughs> right away. Yeah. Yeah. So that was... Nah. The one later on was far, far worse. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. And there was one on SmackDown that was not much better. Yeah. Uh, then we had Woken Matt Hardy's in-ring debut in WWE. The Woken version, at least. Well, I mean, you say, was it an in-ring debut? Because li- this was just Matt Hardy with different music. He is Woken now. Is he? He laughs more. He did the delete, delete, delete. He was doing that before know, that. This, was, this just, was more this accentuated. Is, this is Malibu Stacy with a new hat. Sure. Uh, you're not behind the Woken gimmick, Oh, God. I've look, look at my note here. This feud sucks. Mm. I hated this. Uh, it's... you've In in <laughs> slamming your iPad down, you almost uh, Und- wiped under- everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those uh, who have been watching this for a while, I am back to the iPad. I've run out of paper in my notepad. Uh, so, he's got new music. He has got new music, but the same Titantron. Mm. Yeah, well, that was a mistake, apparently. Oh, was it really? Yeah, Matt Hardy tweeted... Afterwards, Kenny Omega pointed it out, and uh, Matt Hardy tweeted, "The person who played the incorrect Titantron will be deleted, or whatever." Well, that sounds like an excuse more than anything. Yeah. Uh, so I was hoping, as he did debut this new music, a, a different form of new music over the Christmas period at house shows, that he was going to have the Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven. Which I'm kind of glad it isn't, because I use that for some of my weekend videos. Well, it's great music. <laughs> it's great, That's why. It's great music. And uh, you say Moonlight Sonata. Uh, my turn of reference is that bit of music you play in the first Resident Evil game. Oh yeah, just just go to sad, poignant, <laughs> emotional music. So that was a that was a bit lame. And I, th- to my knowledge, it's copyright free. Yeah, because Beethoven's been dead for quite some time. Yeah. So you could you could just record your own version. Do you know what uh, else has um, should be dead for some time? Uh, Matt Hardy's tan, which is utterly mm. hilarious. Yeah, maybe he's trying to match the red ring. Gear. <laughs> it's so bad. So he beat Kurt Hawkins, yep. probably bringing Kurt Hawkins to about 160 losses. I think now. it's 153 now. Oh, is it? Yeah. And then after the match, bleh, Bray Wyatt thing. Bray Wyatt's behind Matt, and they have a laugh off for a long period <sighs> this of time. Sucked. This sucked. I didn't think it sucked. I was just glad to be watching it alone. I wouldn't like to. I wouldn't like to explain that angle to a, a casual or non-wrestling no. fan. No, because they would think I'm. What I like is stupid. Yeah, here's what I was thinking about this on the tube uh, ride in here today after I'd written up my SmackDown review. It's like my recollection of the Broken Hardy stuff of what people really liked about the Broken Hardy stuff. Well, the stuff that people talk about, it was never the promos, it was never the matches, it was never the in-ring segments, it was the stuff at the Hardy compound. Mm. That's the stuff that people talk about, that's the stuff that people remember. 
So perhaps my the reason why I'm not getting into this Woken Hardy stuff is because all the stuff that I've been shown thus far on Raw is all the stuff that people weren't really that into the first time round. Because it's promos, and it's matches, and it's laugh-offs. Mm. Why? Okay, this is very much an open-ended question, I suppose, perhaps a rhetorical one. Why haven't we done anything at the Hardy Compound? Why? Why aren't we exploring that side of it? The stuff that people actually liked about this. Yeah, I feel like it's laziness. I or maybe WWE just don't want to get into the logistical headache of opening up more of this universe and getting over stuff they don't own the rights to because Senor Benjamin and stuff like that is is owned by. Matt, whereas Woken Matt Hardy is now owned by WWE. That's why he's Woken, not Broken. But you, you are totally right. It's it's like the the brilliance of this version of Matt Hardy is that he feels different from everyone else. And for a while, it seemed like that was going to be the case. He had the weird blue backdrop, but now everyone uses that on SmackDown <laughs> Royal Rumble promos. And then there was the bit where he was talking to the goldfish. And I was like, okay, you're opening out this this backdrop slowly to include other weird bits of Matt Hardy's universe but they haven't done that and now it's just fallen into that WWE template of in-ring titantron just interviews it's the same matches with Kurt Hawkins it doesn't make Matt feel special and it's flattening out the the brilliant eccentric character of him for for WWE mode and that is a shame and the, the laugh off sucked oh uh, yeah uh, we've done Miz returning, uh, Ballet Club are backstage next, and then Enzo Amore took on Cedric Alexander, defending his Cruiserweight title, a match which he lost. I've written here, New Japan's unit division, this is not. Mm. But, I and I said this to you yesterday, and I said it in my Raw review, I think Enzo is fantastic. 100% agree. Yeah. He is great. Like People like that they're down on Enzo because he can't wrestle. But you're like, okay, I'm not going to argue that point. He can't wrestle offensively. But promos, he's up there with the best of them at the moment in WWE. Character-wise, really, really good. Selling, awesome. Well, there's a reason why he's so good at selling, because that's all he sure. learned to do in NXT. He just he was taught to ragdoll and mm. cut promos. The, the, the great thing uh, about the finish to this match, which is where... Enzo is busted open. That Whoa, was unplanned. Oh, man alive was he busted open. Yeah, by a, a stray Cedric kick. Yeah. But then the, the finish was Cedric Alexander jumping over the top rope and Enzo catches him and then he says he's got an ankle injury. And it's like they play it up like it's a legit injury. Apparently it wasn't because he was at the WWE Christmas party held in January shortly after. That's because they were performing on performing Christmas, Day. Christmas Day. But I, what I like really about this, this sell job that Enzo did is that not just did Enzo catch Cedric's safely so Cedric was absolutely fine but Enzo sat down in such a way it looked like he could have hurt his ankle so that when they show replays it's like oh man I think he really did sat on his ankle I was watching this going and his selling was so good going like man I think he really sat on his ankle badly there I've written like ankle injury like I, I thought it, I didn't great think it was selling planned. question mark yeah. because then it's it's such great selling and he's so good at like screaming and pushing off doctors and stuff but then as soon as he crawls around the side of the ring, realises the ref's counting, he goes to get back in the ring and it's like, no, I'm just going to stay mm. here. And then continues his sell job. I thought it was really, really well done. I thought it was a great finish. And of, uh, to to bolster that selling more, he put in a few swear words. He certainly did. they had to dip the audio for. Yep. So, yeah, I just love Enzo. He's, he's trying more than anyone to make 
the WWE PG wrestling a little bit more reggy. I don't think he gets enough credit for that, but he, he yeah. will go out there and swear. Yeah. He he was obviously busted open. He did push the doctor off a few times, like, you know, I want this blood on my face. Yeah. It looks better this way. Blah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, big fan of Enzo. And then backstage... I mean, it doesn't make me want to watch 205 Live, no. but he's very good. It's a, it's a similar thing to Miz. It's like he's a great talker, but is he a great wrestling promo? Yeah. I think he would be if he was a manager and he was selling you on other people's matches. Yeah. But not not really interested to see Enzo wrestle. Yeah. Then backstage, Enzo was still selling, getting his ankle checked out by a doctor, and Nia Jax walked in, and Enzo sucked it up for a bit. Yeah. And he was like, nah, I'm cool, babe, you know. And then Nia Jax walks off, and he immediately almost cries. Still, mm-hmm. he's a good actor. Very good Very actor, good actor, yeah. Poor Nia, um, I mean, we'll come on to her, I suppose. Mm. You're waiting, aren't you? You're just brewing, you're <laughs> bubbling here. Uh, next up, we had Kurt Angle backstage. Uh, he's on the phone, and he's saying something to the effect of, yeah, I know you haven't been in the ring for a while, but this would be a great comeback for you. I mean, a star of your calibre for the Women's Royal Rumble. Yeah. So they're teasing legend returns for the Women's Royal Rumble. I mean... Teasing, I, I thought that was pretty evident, mm. to be honest, considering that there are 22 women on the roster. You take out Champions and <laughs> um, Nikki Bella, you're left with 19. That leaves 11 spots open. Like, those 11 spots aren't going to empty space. Like, they're going to legends. And you know, people are like, oh, I wonder who he was talking to. No one. He's talking, like, there's not going to be an entrant in the Rumble where you're like, oh, that's who he was talking to. Mm. It's just, he was just having a generic conversation. So you're saying they shouldn't promote the, or even tease the idea of no, returns? No, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. However, like, what I'm saying is that a lot of people are like, oh, I wonder who he was talking to. Which legend was he talking to? It's like, no one. They haven't figured they that haven't out. They haven't figured yeah. that out. Like, he, the, there will be 11 surprise entrants. He was talking to one of them. It was on purposely vague. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, that match you had with. Oh, sorry. Someone's mm, come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I loved your time. <laughs> oh, sorry. So then the you bar seen the film um, Club no. Dread. No. It's a it's like a, a parody of of um, slasher movies or like whodunits. And there's a moment when like two of the characters are hiding and one of them has sacrificed himself to go get killed. And they're still trying to work out who the killer is. And you just see it from the point of view of the people hiding. And you hear the guy getting killed like, oh, it's you. I knew it was you all along. It Never had to be you. Uh, so then the bar come in and they're a little bit angry with Kurt because Kurt is granting matches for his son, Jordan, to go against people. But not uh, not them. Yeah. And the bar want their title rematch. So in the Daniel Bryan style of doing things, yep, you got it. Yeah, you got it. You're getting it. The Royal Rumble, mm. automatic rematch clause and all that gubbins. And then the Miz walked in and he said he wants his Intercontinental Championship rematch as well. He's not getting his at the Royal Rumble, though, because you've got to have Roman in the Rumble. He is getting his at Raw 25. Yeah. So that's the big... And they did put that over, like, whoa, what a main event. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they had a good match last time. I'll be honest. Yeah, they did have a good match last time, but I'm more interested in other stuff about Raw 25 than I am Ms. Roman Reigns. It's like, why not make Brock Lesnar wrestle? I guess it's the go-home show. Yeah. Uh, So it's hard to criticise that. And then, uh, was this now or was it later? Um, Asuka backstage. Well, I've got Ms. teaming with Asuka. Uh, when was yes, this announced? No, this bit was here, yeah. Take it away, Luke. 
<laughs> okay, so this mix match challenge luck that they're doing. They, they Miz is backstage. He's holding this cup of coffee, and he's like, "I'm about to find out who my tag team partner is for the mixed match challenge. Who should come out?" But it's Asuka, and Asuka's there, and Miz is like, "Yeah, I got Asuka, the undefeated Asuka." And what does Asuka do? She smiles because she's happy to be teaming with the Miz. Mm. And I thought I was waiting for her to like roundhouse kick the coffee out of his hand, not say anything, just be walk up, be like, "Bang!" and just kick it out, and just walk away looking like a badass. And then Miz be like, "Whoa." I mean, I'm guaranteed to win this now, right? You've seen how cool she is. Not really understanding that she's a, a, a massive threat. But no, she just looked like a complete geek, happy to be teaming with The Miz. Yeah, that's my problem with most of these team-ups. That The face-and-face stuff is fine, because when they get together, they should be kind of goofy and happy. But the when a heel gets paired with someone, why aren't they, like... <laughs> at least fostering a bit of tension like this this is not making me want to see this series no. because like it's giving me no reason to get invested in any of these teams because all these teams seem to be happy together there's no dissension between any of them it's just a bunch this is gonna be a bunch of matches and it it's really inconsistent with continuity and that's Miz is this really angry bad guy I'm yeah. going for the intercontinental title Asuka is rampaging her way to the women's royal rumble Oh, but now we're happy together. It's like it exists in a different world. World, yeah, and that doesn't like, and that's fine. Well, it's not fine, but okay, if you want to do that, don't show it on Raw. Yeah, gosh, she looked like such a yeah. geek here. It really doesn't help her cause. So this was awful. Asuka, this t- this tied in with a, another storyline that went through the night, and that's Alexa Bliss going backstage trying to create dissension between Asuka and Nia Jax. Why? Dumb, not quite sure. Dumb old Nia Jax will just believe anything that Alexa Bliss tells her, despite the fact that history mm. has evidently showed her that she's um, a, a liar, and she will say things to try and manipulate Jax into doing her bidding for her. And you ask why would Alexa Bliss do this? Because Asuka beat her last week, and it's kind of like a, a punishment thing, I guess. Yeah. A punishment I guess so. It's just there were so many logic holes <laughs> yep. here. So uh, first up, Alexa Bliss goes to warn Asuka backstage about Nia Jax. You know, ooh, she's angry with you or whatever. I heard what you said. Yeah. And then Ask, uh, sorry, Alexa Bliss finds Nia Jax afterwards and is like, oh, you never guess what Asuka said about you. And she goes, blah, 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 blah. And Nia Jax steps back and goes, well, she said that. That's crazy because Asuka doesn't speak English. And you're like, I just, just literally <laughs> saw her speak English with the Miz. <laughs> she spoke English last week. She does speak English. I was so puzzled by that line. I'm so glad you've explained mm. it to me now. Because when she's delivered it, I was like, that's an odd thing to say. Yeah. I didn't understand. That's what she was getting at. The Alexa Bliss, so she didn't believe what Alexa Bliss was saying. Man alive. Nia Jax is a good actor, but this was very poor because that did not come across in the, in the slightest. And you said Nia Jax looks like an idiot. Yeah. She, she looks like even more of an idiot here because I know she does. I know Asuka does speak English. There were so many things wrong with it. The acting uh, between Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss was pretty woeful. They're best well. friends. Mm. They're genuinely in, in kayfabe, in real IRL. They are best friends. And they have zero chemistry together on screen. Yeah. It's kind of baffling. But the cherry on top for me of annoying things was when Alexa Bliss said, hey, you know, you can take out Asuka, then you can win the Women's Royal Rumble, and we can finally have that match together. I was like, you had the match! (laughs) You had a throwaway match on Raw. You've already done the angle the week after SummerSlam when Nia Jax turned on you. This is patronising, undermining stuff. 
The women's division is awful across the board in WWE at the moment, and it's heading into their first ever Women's Royal Rumble. But at least Raw has two storylines. Yes, that's, there's, there's always that. There's always that. Uh, next up, we had Titus Worldwide. Worldwide. Beating The Bar. Yeah. What a surprise win that was. So, do you, was it a nice surprise or was it a... a, a no. Nice surprise? No, it wasn't like a, a not nice surprise. It was more of a... Huh. Okay. Yeah. Because they did the same thing when the Fashion Police beat Rusev on SmackDown. It was like, okay, that's surprising. Considering as well that The Bar are going for the a, a, a tag team championship a championship opportunity at the royal rumble so it just seems surprising to have these geeks who never win mm-hmm. just beat them and not only that when they beat them be like oh my god we won yeah like acting very surprised that they won this was almost two segments after kurt announced that tag match as well so i just wh- why would you do it why, why wouldn't you just give the bar a victory it's a meaningless victory because titus worldwide are nothing but now you know, I just don't see the 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 thought process behind it. I I thought I wasn't like completely off put by it because I do like Titus Worldwide, and it was a surprise shock roll up finish. So there's some protection there, but they did the exact same finish on SmackDown. Yeah. I just realised that. But it was it was the bad end of it was more the bad end of uh, surprise. However, Dana Brooke doing the millions of dollars thing. Is my is is pretty good on Raw. Well, I've written here the bar sold this brilliantly, and then I've just written Dana with a heart emoji. Oh, well, oh you lo- you love Dana? Do love Dana? But because a few people sent me a gif where you know there was almost a wardrobe malfunction. Oh dear! In that millions of dollars bit. Crikey! Crikey indeed. Uh, then we had a Brock Lesnar promo. Well, you say a Brock Lesnar promo. It was a yeah, Paul Heyman yeah. uh, promo. So I've written here, Heyman cuts a Heyman promo. You know, I forgot that this happened. Yeah. I've spent what? so much time on the, on the... I thought, oh, we're coming to the end now after the, the Titus Worldwide match. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I... After Raw finished, I put up a tweet that said, like, "Eh, a mostly forgettable episode of Raw. Really enjoyed Jason Jordan. Uh, Samoa Joe's great. That's more or less about it. And then I got, you know, dozens of tweets afterwards saying, like, what about Braun Strowman and the grappling hook? Yeah. And I went, oh, God, I literally forgot that happened. I... So in the grand scheme of, of memorable, stupid, crazy comic book Braun Strowman angles... This one didn't connect with me for some reason. It's because Brock's involved. Do you reckon? If this had just been Braun and Kane, that's fine because they're comic book characters having this big wacky comic book thing. But Brock isn't that character. Brock is a legit badass. He's a legit fighter. When you put him in feuds that are meant to be like, this is serious now. We've done all that goofy wrestling stuff. This is real. This is serious. And now you've put him into this goofy wrestling stuff and it makes me like Brock less. It didn't make me like Braun more. It didn't make me I felt feel nothing for Kane. I really didn't think this was that good. So what happened was Heyman cuts the promo, Lesnar walks to the back, Kane attacks him, and this is all backstage, so I imagine it was it was definitely filmed earlier in the day. Yeah. This because there were multiple cuts the way it was edited together. And Kane and Lesnar are brawling. Strowman comes in and puts both men through tables. He's looking around. He found he finds a grappling hook. Yeah. Zelda style in a crate nearby and he throws it up there gets it first time yeah well, good it ma- shot it made me think uh, you went for a Zelda reference it mm. made me think of like Morat 
of that bit when they're trying to escape from the forge and he's trying he's just pulling lots of random stuff out of his coat pocket he's like oh by the way i've got this grappling hook nice let's use that yeah and he pulls over this lighting rig on top of kane and Strowman. what was that lighting rig for because nothing yeah. in the raw set changed spare you know, you always want a, an emergency lighting rig. A giant emergency yeah, lighting rig. With no lights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just unpack it. We'd fine to put it back in later. But it's not heavy or anything. It's not heavy. This one's made of biscuits. We'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, so this, it was it was definitely a spectacle. Like, it was, it was definitely a thing that happened. But it didn't resonate with me on an excitement level. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's... that's. You know, it, it didn't really register beyond a... A good Samoa Joe promo makes me more excited than this. Yeah, I I wasn't keen on this. The only thing I really liked uh, on this was at the end of because Lesnar did a stretch job. Mm. You had Braun walk away. Felt Braun looked quite a, a bit heelish in here because he's meant to be this big monster baby face. And Kane kind of like stumbled away, but Lesnar did a whole stretcher job and they carted Lesnar out and they put him into the ambulance. The only thing I really liked about this was a Paul Heyman selling of it, being like, "I want to." It's like, "Damn right, yeah. I'm going to ride with him." And Heyman and, and Lesnar just scra- screaming, "Paul, get me out of this." Yeah. Paul get me out of here I, and it's just like I don't want to be on this stretcher I want to go out on my own I'm going to ride to the hospital on my own I liked that bit of it I completely agree and next up we had Samoa Joe beating Rhino so we are really not getting any Rhino and Heath Slater <laughs> fun backstage extreme skits no but they did kind of further this story on on commentary where he said that Rhino took this match on to show mm. uh, Heath about how to be extreme or some nonsense. But, um, I mean, whatever Rhino is trying to teach Heath later, I don't think it's working. Yeah, uh, they're just being used as a jobber act, really, with kind of very loose story. It's all right, they'll get a win over the bar next week. Yeah, right. Uh, so Rhino lost to this quite quickly to Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe's awesome. Yep. Unfortunately, though, it appears he has picked up an injury in this match. <sighs> Pop something in his foot. Uh, Might have a foot injury. That sucks as well because he cut this promo afterwards, entering himself into the Royal Rumble and then started a program with Cena that I assumed yep. was going to build towards um, Elimination Chamber. He was um, like, and and he, I like how he kept in mind the Intercontinental title. Like, I'm coming back for that IC title, Roman. And then you've, you've got, you know, Miz, Roman, Samoa Joe. It's a nice uh, crowded title scene at the top there. Yeah. But then, yeah, he's like, but now I'm going to go after Cena because he's always been this this big thing in my career yeah. that we've never really fought. UPW, they uh, got their start mm. together. UPW? Um, Something like that. I can't remember the, the name of the promotion. But they actually had a program at the end of last August after SummerSlam on the house shows and that was meant to develop into a storyline apparently mm. but Joe got injured there yeah so say, yeah. It's, the, it's just so close every time um, and this is when Michael Cole said more rumble than ever more rumble than ever I have to wonder Joe was so intense in entering himself into this rumble uh, on the Rene was it Rene Young was it Charlie it was someone interviewing him in the ring was the intensity ramped up even further by the immense pain in his foot? Mm, interesting. And he's very angry, you know, because yeah. he knows he knows his own body. I, I imagine he's like, "Damn, I'm injured." Yeah, that that this hurts. Yeah. Uh, then Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss more pot stirring backstage. Just a bit we talked about. And then we had Asuka's match, yeah, which you- I screwed up on my Raw review. Yeah, I, said I think it was she- against Nia Jax. Yeah, I think it was, it was some jobber she was going to face. Yeah. Uh, but she didn't get a chance because Nia Jax attacked her. This bit I did like. Yeah? Yeah, like this, bit? Th- this bit I'm absolutely fine with. I'm not so keen on them announcing Nia versus Asuka for next week. Mm. Um, say builds to that. But um, yeah, yeah. But, but I thought the actual attack was very good and very solid. 
It's a SmackDown review, Maggle, I love it. We got us a flying Uso. SmackDown began with, I mean, it was slightly different than normal in that it took a while for Shane McMahon <laughs> to come out, but it was the same standard in-ring promo. Oh, I disagree. I really liked this. Okay. I thought you that seem this... to have enjoyed SmackDown more than me. This I, I thought this was a really nice way to open SmackDown, and it was actually a, a different way to open SmackDown. You didn't have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn come down to talk about Brian and Shane. You didn't have Brian come out. You didn't have uh, Shane come out. You didn't even have AJ come out to cut a promo. What you had was AJ coming out to do a sit-down interview mm. in the ring with Renee Young, which I think, A is the best use of Renee Young because she has been her talents has been completely wasted since cancelling um, uh, Talking Smack but B it just felt like a different way to open up the show it's the same thing but because the stage was different because the setting was different it actually made me feel like oh actually I'm, I'm more interested I'm actually listening to mm. this now as opposed to if it was just AJ come out to be like this is the house that AJ Styles built and Royal Rumble more Rumble than ever I see what you're saying. I, it definitely was different to Shane McMahon recapping the recap promo from yeah. the recap last week. But it wasn't different enough. I didn't think the segment ran smoothly. I thought it was a bit... Uh, it was just a bit rambling at times. Like, some questions seemed kind of repeated. I know that was what they were going yeah, for no, to get I, out I, and tease out. I like that as well. Like, you know, Renee was like, here's the question I'm answering. Mm. And we answered it. was like, that's not that's not the question I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. And Renee then felt like a credible interviewer. She wasn't just like, my guest at this time, and now I'm going to hold the microphone for you. She felt like she was interviewing him. I, I, I really like that. I agree. I agree with you. The, the story was that Renee is trying to see if AJ's annoyed with authority because they booked him in this handicap match. So I I I think the idea was good. I think the setting was wrong. I think this should have been a pre-taped backstage segment where it's like a proper sit-down interview, Jim Ross Mankind style. Mm -hmm. Obviously not that extreme. But of Renee Young, I think that's the best use of her character okay, or, well, or her presence. I like this. Um, yeah, I, I think... I, I thought it sapped the crowd's energy. I think in-ring promos are always going to sap the crowd's energy after a while. I think this should have been a pre-taped thing. And I think more in-ring promos should be transformed into pre-taped, snappier bits backstage. Mm -hmm. uh, then KO and Sammy came out after a while to do their yep stuff. Owens had a great line to Styles about heaven not giving people like AJ miracles. Yeah. Which I really liked because some of Owen's best promo work last year was leading up to the Hell in a Cell match with Shane, where he was all about heaven and hell. It was re really great promos and this sort of delusional psychopathic mindset that Owens has regarding that. Yeah, and he said that should Sammy, well, he said when Sammy and Kevin win at the Royal Rumble, they will be co-WWE champions. Mm. Now, I really, really like this because this, when they announced the handicap match last week, there was a report that said it was a mistake, which clearly wasn't true. This was always meant to be a handicap match. But I like about this is when they announced the handicap match last week, there were some people who'd be like, oh, but it's just, they may as well have made it a triple threat because they'll be arguing over the pin. It's, it's every triple threat story you ever tell. Now that they've said that we're going to be co-WWE mm. champions, you don't have that element anymore. You don't have the, the triple threat formula that WWE like to do when you have two heels and one babyface. You've now got a babyface going up against two heels in a handicap match, and he has to beat both men. It's going to make... Owens and Sami Zayn look awful if they don't win, though. Well, bar a screwy finish. 
I think they're going to end up, based on the finish of this match, they're going to announce next week that it's no count out, no disqualification. Right. So you can use weapons and plunder and stuff. I'd imagine Shane O'Mac will get involved. Mm-hmm. Daniel, and that will just further the, the storyline between. And this is kind of why I enjoyed SmackDown more. I know you were a little bit down the show, but I thought there were a lot of elements in here that really built towards the storyline, kind of planting seeds so they can grow further in, in future episodes. So you mentioned Shane. He comes out after KO and Sammy. And awkwardly delivered some lines as Shane about, only can, and it was ah, oh, it was really bad. It was it was like because this sort of stuff wouldn't work on a television show or a play or any other thing where you're meant to buy into the realism of a character. He effectively goes out, comes out, and says, "I'm feeling like this. I'm angry with Daniel Bryan. I." I'm confused about why these things are happening. It's like, that's the sort of internal monologue that you should be telling through actions and physicality. It's expert. It's awful, awful delivery of exposition. I I'm right back down on Shane. After he had a brief, a brief flurry of intrigue and heel facials over the December period, this was a... Uh, I didn't like him here. So he makes uh, a handicap match tonight to mirror the handicap match at Royal Rumble but the heels are at the disadvantage this time another bit of stupid psychology I, I disagree again I, I know and I see what they're doing we'll talk about it more in the main event but I, I didn't work for me I completely disagree Owens and Sammy versus Orton Nakamura and AJ that's our main event Yeah. and then he walks backstage and Brian's there like another nice little bit of you know trying to make it feel a little bit different as to Raw they walk backstage and have a little meeting in, mm. in gorilla position which I, I thought was a really nice touch and they had this very awkward handshake I'm, I'm really digging their dynamic at the moment I am digging the dynamic. I just feel like it hasn't progressed for quite some time now. And I'm getting a bit tedious. It's getting Uh, tedious for me. I feel like it's... SmackDown very much is treading water. I know I disagree. I, I I completely disagree. I think they're 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 slowly telling this story, and each show adds in a new element to that story to to further build it. For me, it's imperceptibly telling the story <laughs> if they're slowly building it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had Becky Lynch taking on Ruby Riot. We've mentioned this in the Raw review part. Yeah, Ruby is just... I really like Ruby. She's really good. She's an engaging in-ring presence. She's got a great look herself, but. They're just—they're not doing anything with her. No, and if this match was there to show that a Becky, Charlotte, and Naomi are the biggest stars, and b if if without the Riot Squad interfering, they can't win matches mm. because the Riot Squad tried to interfere. Charlotte and Naomi don't even stop them. They literally walk up and be like, "Don't do that." Yeah, and they stop, and then Riot loses. This was a. I, I don't want to say a burial of Ruby Wright because that's a word that gets thrown around far too much, but it did her no favours whatsoever. And the Wright squad are now just, they're so under the under the radar. It's another nail in the coffin. Yeah, it's another nail in the coffin. Uh, yeah, it, and it's it's such a shame. Because, but it's great to see Becky back. Yeah, I have written that. <laughs> Missed Becky so much. Becky's great. Love Becky. <laughs> yeah. She's, again, she's, why isn't she higher up the women's card? Sharp because she's got everything. Yeah. Uh, she connects with the crowd. She's a really good wrestler. She's she's got a great promo delivery. Yeah, sorry, there's, you, you, there's a fire in her. Sorry, you were going to say something else before I interrupted you. Yeah, I was going to say you. that Ruby is this riot squad really should be there to elevate Ruby, and you could easily make another star, like another top tier SmackDown women's star, out of Ruby if they did it right. But they've they fudged it at every turn. Really disappointing. I don't know why this wasn't Liv Morgan. 
Yeah. Or Sarah Logan. I, it didn't need to be Ruby in this position. Because they can't wrestle? Well, maybe it is. Uh, Sami Zayn next up. <laughs> no. Was... no. I was going to say. So, we want. I mean, I, I hated the Asuka one because it made her look uh. like such a geek, but I think this one made me more angry. It was. It's just a different. Maybe you just got to look at it and say, well, this has no connection to rea- uh, reality. I guess it's more real. Because they're just people happy to... Oh, nice, because they're my fr- colleague. they're friends backstage. Yeah. So it really, really does undermine the rest of what WWE are trying to get across. It was a filmed on a phone, like a WWE.com exclusive, and it was the latest Mixed Match Challenge of Becky Lynch signing some uh, some autographs outside where SmackDown was taking place. There's someone dressed up in prosthetics. and not even it, prosthetic, it was a wig and glasses. A wig and glasses. And a fake beard. And it turns out to be Sami Zayn, and he's like, "I'm your, I'm your partner for Mixed Match Challenge, Becky." And Becky's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" They hug. Becky, like, she is elated to be tagging with this guy, and I'm just—I I said this in my SmackDown review. I was like, "Hmm, isn't he the guy that supposedly screwed SmackDown at Survivor yeah. Series and like tried to shut down the brand and ruin this thing? Like, why are you elated to be tagging with this guy?" Becky Lynch is meant to be like, "I'm SmackDown through and through. We're like the better." women's division yada 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 and but ko and sammy are meant to be this rogue faction within SmackDown. yeah everyone's meant to hate i don't want i don't like to think of ko and sammy having lunch with anyone but each other no that's the best way they should mm. be that's the way they should you should be thinking of these two people i'm so down on this mixed match challenge thing they haven't even filmed anything for it yet, and i'm well apart from all these these doofy backstage segments yeah. i'm so down on it because it just it really takes me out of the storylines that I'm trying to get invested in. Yeah, it really... And just because you've got... This comes right after Becky being a super baby face and winning, and now she's hugging the one of the most dastardly heels on the brand. What, Top heel. What the hell? Yeah. Really, really bad stuff. Uh, so did you watch Fashion Files? Uh, no. It was good. Uh, but it wasn't on SmackDown. You only got the last 30 seconds of this skit. The rest of it was a online exclusive because, you know... It got over, so we well, can't we, have that on the show. No, exactly. We'll talk about that when we come to Rusev Day. Yeah, so uh, the the Fashion Files skit was actually pretty good. I went and watched it because I like them. Uh, Fandango just stands really weirdly throughout mm. the whole thing. He stands with his mm. uh, sort of hands on his nipples rather <laughs> okay, than his yeah. hips, yeah. but it's never brought up. <laughs> they have a training montage nice. to get the Ascension ready for their match. Oh, lovely. Uh, and that, like, there was this really like uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango. Their timing together is perfect. Breeze, uh, Tyler is like, let's. I know what will fix the ascension. We need her. Let's say it on three, one, two, three. And Tyler Breeze says montage, and Fandango goes smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> and Breeze's like, no, uh, we we need a montage. And then nothing happens. And Fandango's like, um, we need a montage, please. And then it kicks into the montage. Nice. Training montage with the Ascension. Uh, great stuff. And then the Ascension are like, so you're going to be in our corner tonight for the Bludgeon Brothers match, yeah? And they go, ah, no, we've, we've got, got a match, match yeah. against Rusev Day. And that's what that's the only bit you saw on SmackDown. Oh, man, that sounds fun. It was fun. They're don't, always fun. Yeah, don't put that on SmackDown, obviously. Mm. Um, but that did lead to the Ascension and the Bludgeon Brothers. I liked the Ascension uh, getting out like a hot start. They were very much like they just jumped onto the attack and the commentary were kind of putting it over. It was like... Well, you know, it's usually the other way around. It's usually yeah. the Bludgeon Brothers that attack first. This is a really nice side to the Ascension. But then the Bludgeon Brothers just quickly killed them. And I think Todd Phillips even went, oh, that didn't last long. Mm. And Bludgeon Brothers killed them. 
it was a very quick squash match. I really like the, this team. I'd like to see them do something else now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bludgeon Brothers need an actual storyline. I'm more interested in the Ascension Fashion Files storyline yes. as opposed to the Bludgeon Brothers being involved in it. It'd be interesting to see how the Bludgeon Brothers are treated in the Rumble. If they're in the Rumble. Ooh, saucy. Well, I have to be. It's, it's more rumble than ever. <laughs> uh, no Breezango save, of course, unfortunately. So poor old Ascension, their best friends. Maybe it's building to a, a feud there. Uh, Mojo Rawley next beat Zack Ryder. Rawley looked good. Rawley did look good. This was another match. Yeah, so it's part of the US title, the vacant US title tournament. The winner of this would face Bobby Roode. So Bobby Roode was on commentary here. He wasn't, we didn't do commentary. He didn't, no, he, he just, just sat, sat at ringside, ringside yeah. yeah. My apologies. And yeah, Mo, so Mojo wins, uh, pretty much dominated the match against Ryder. And Roode and Mojo have a stare off in the ring afterwards. And I always assumed Mojo would be shorter than Roode. Rawley's a big guy. He's a big guy. Uh, I wish he wouldn't do that entrance. Yeah. Because uh, he still does his baby face entrance with his heel music and heel facials. Mm. It just seems really weird. It'd be like if the Ultimate Warrior turned heel but still ran to the ring and shook the ropes. Yeah, Sami Zayn's tweaked his just enough where it's yeah. now obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be difficult to see him go back to a baby face and have <laughs> the same moves. Uh, so, yep, yeah, th- there was a stare down afterwards. Mojo walked off and Rude did the glorious thing. Yeah, and then... We got uh, Jinder cutting a promo in front of my favourites of the uh, the NAF backstage things that they have now because it was a flag of India. But what was brilliant about this is that it didn't even fill the frame. Mm. There's a huge gap down the side where they didn't have enough flag or enough space to kind of fit them all in. And it looked, I, I called it in my SmackDown review, befitting of Woken Matt Hardy. You need to just adjust the crop size. <laughs> I do this in Photoshop all the time. But they can't even crop it because they need to crop out um, one of the Singh brothers. Ah, That's why there was there was not enough space in camera and there was not enough flag. They just need to snuggle up a bit more. They, or just move the flag a bit more central and you have black bars down either side. Uh, so you're not calling the Indian flag naff. No, I'm not. Call- no, I'm good. calling the, the the backdrop itself looks good. naff. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a good promo though. Yes, uh, did you see um, uh, Xavier's tweets? Yes, I yes, did. Yes, very good. So he wasn't on the show. The new day went on the show, but he tweeted him watching it in his hotel room, stood at the appropriate angle where you're not really looking at the TV, and sort of about how like you're close enough so that the bla- glare of the TV can damage your eyes. Mm. Uh, then we had a second mixed match challenge pairing announcement. Yep, Natalia. Is going to team with Shinsuke Nakamura. At least Natalia said, "I'm glad it's not Sammy." Mm. And then why? Why? Because he's a heel. But so's Natalia. But Natalia at least is trying to work some kayfabe into this because he tried to shut down SmackDown Live or something. I guess whatever so. that storyline is. And then Nakamura made cat sounds. Mm. So at least we've got that. I've written, "Why not team Natalia with Sammy Zayn? They're both heels." I get what you're saying, but I think Nakamura and Lynch. So much more into that team. And Natalia and and Zayn that just. That feels more right. Yeah. Feels stuff good, but this is stuff bad. Yeah. Don't enjoy it. But what I did enjoy was American Beta's promo. Yes. I I loved this. I thought this was great. It was, uh, so, America, Gable and Benjamin came out to talk about the injustice that happened last week where Mm -hmm. they won the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships, but then a crooked ref 
overturned this decision and talked about how they were essentially robbed of their titles. And then Benjamin did something that is not done, hasn't been done in many a year. It's the 2000s Edge and Christian thing where you come out and you go, hey, your local sports team, hey, are not good. Boo. An easy way to get heat. Or as he did today, was like, your local sports team won something. Hey, but your local sports team rivals are better. Boo! It's a, so, I, I, I don't know. Because they're like goofy heels, I guess. Yeah. I kind of like really enjoy it. And I, lo- I loved it. it just, the yeah. cheap heat isn't bad. No. It's just cheap. But my favourite thing about this was Chad Gable. And I feel that Chad Gable hasn't really been able to shine up on the main roster. Mm. I, feel like I, don't, I haven't really enjoyed a lot of his backstage stuff that he's done. But here, it just feels like this is a really... This is a Chad Gable I can definitely get behind as a heel. Particularly if this is going to be his new catchphrase, which is a wonderful, wonderful, uh, obscure reference to the 1992 movie Encino Man, released here in the UK as California Man. Okay. There's a character in that, like the bad guy in that movie, the, the jock character that's trying to... Have you ever seen California Man? Yes, I have. It's, Brent, it's not Brendan. Brendan Fraser yes, I have, and yes. Paulie Shaw and Sean Astin, where they, they find a caveman in a block of ice in their back garden mm. and they, they dethaw him and turn him into a 90s kid. But you've got the jock character who's trying to work out who Linkovich Chomowski is, which is Brendan Fraser's character. And he always says, whenever people try to remember, he goes, Sure! And that's yeah. what as soon as I get, I burst out laughing because I haven't thought of shush for some time, and it always made me laugh in in California, man. Gable, yes, Gable was very good. Benjamin was very good too. So good. They, they were both very good. Gable was even better though. Uh, and then out came to answer their disgruntled promo. Daniel Bryan, yes, saying that you're you're annoyed with the authority of the referees. They represent myself and Shane, so take it up with me. And I thought, hmm, who are Brian's allegiances with here? Because he's the the honorary member of the Usos rap team, Sweet as Sweet Beats. Mm-hmm. But then he's also Chad Gable's illegitimate father. Oh, you are talking about things that WWE do not care about. Well, why not? They put in all the <laughs> mixed match challenge announcements. Make this continuity too. Yeah. Uh, but I, on a more serious note, I really liked this was part. Serious. Well. I thought this was also really interesting in Daniel Bryan's character, and they yeah. kind of build this into a, a backstage segment later on, because Daniel Bryan isn't siding with the heels. He's not saying, "Hey, I think you guys are great, and I'm going to put you into this two out of three falls match." But he is always putting the baby faces at a disadvantage, and that, as I said, that played really well into the the Shane backstage thing they did later on. I also thought this was a really, really great segment and another little seed in the storyline. Yeah, I th- this this was good. It was nice to explore Brian's heelish authority figure traits. But it's not even heelish, really. It is heelish. It's like, not the, heelish. His mannerisms, his face, every, everything yeah, but, he's doing. But the whole thing, he came out and he shut down the heels mm-hmm. saying that, like, you guys are wrong. You didn't win the match. Yeah. And so that, if he was a heel or if he was showing heelish tendencies, he would be, you know, coming up being chummy with heels but saying like I think you heels wrong I think you have been wronged and I'm going to book you into a match where you are at an advantage but he's always booking baby faces at disadvantages and Shane McMahon later on called him unstable and it almost feels like Brian is doing this on purpose to try and kind of like ruin Smackdown to make Mm. the baby faces unhappy so they may revolt against Shane because Shane's also he's the ultimate authority figure in in this case and Shane and, and it had this wonderful line where he's just like 
yeah, you call me unstable, but I mean, look at your gene pool. You were going to do this sort of stuff anyway, mm. because look at who your dad is. Look at your gene pool. You're you're more unstable than I am. I think this is a wonderful dynamic. I don't get in your explanation there where Brian isn't showing heelish tendencies. Because because everything you just said, but, it's, but no, kind of makes it well, no, but he did this with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. He's never sided with Kevin and Sami. He's never sided well, that, that with the heels. That would be a heels. definitive heel turn. I'm saying he's showing heelish tendencies. Yeah, okay, okay, you can, uh, okay. You I, I, I will. Um, I, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot argue with a little bit. <laughs> Shush. Uh, so yeah, Brian. I, I put Brian's definitely healing it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Yo, you just see things in black and white. That's your problem. Uh, but it's not I didn't say he's turned heel okay next up oh all those people who thought like Chad Gable's not a heel mate he's definitely a heel heelish tendencies (laughs) he's definitely a heel Uh, backstage next uh, we had quite a wonderful skit with AJ Styles and Randy Orton you know first off they're saying let's talk some strategy for the main event and Orton's like yeah uh, we're gonna be chummy tonight but let me tell you once I win the Royal Rumble again (laughs) he's gonna face Cena no it's gonna happen uh, I'm coming after that. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like, you know, the championship is the most important thing in the company. That I, I always like that to be placed that way. But then Nakamura appears, their other teammate for the main event, and just leans over and does a two-sweet to AJ's WWE title. But what was even more brilliant about this is that, like, they, Randy Orton said his piece, and AJ was just like, okay, good talk. Mm. And then Nakamura just comes in, doesn't say anything, Two sweets the belt and then goes, good talk. Yeah. And walks away. Perfect. That's how you use Nakamura. Don't have him say too many things. Yes. He just comes in, looks cool, says a couple of words, and off he pops. Definitely agree. Next up, we had Breezango's match, the one where they were, you know, that's why they couldn't help the Ascension. Nothing against the Ascension. Where they beat Rusev Day. Yeah, because Rusev Day got over on their own, and that's mm. not allowed. So now you're being beaten every single week. Yeah, it is every single week, or not necessarily beaten, but losing. Yeah, it, there are multiple man matches. As I said in the SmackDown review, they're giving him the Zack Ryder treatment. So it really is a shame because it's a hot act and it's good, and people chant Rusev Day. Rusev was really over in his hot tag part, that the opening bits of the match, not so much. Uh, and Aiden singing about the Rusev Rumble. It's all good stuff, but it was Fandango pins him in a surprise roll up. And you've got me. WWE are doing it again. Well, I like Breezango. I want Breezango to win more matches. So I should be happy. But WWE have found a way to... You know, it's like the the double-edged sword that you don't see coming. It's like, oh, you think you want that? Yeah. Okay, we'll give you that. Do ah, what, but there's a catch. I think what's really weird as well is because I'm... Obviously, I write the notes while I'm, I'm watching the show. Mm. And I wrote in my notes, Rusev Day beat Fashion Police. And you know, sometimes you, and, you preemptively write stuff, yeah. And then I actually deleted it being like, well, I don't know that for sure. And so I deleted it and then put verses in its place. And at the end of it, I was like, huh, I was actually right to do that. I didn't. I thought I would have to undo mm. the typing that I'd just done. But lo and behold, no, they didn't win. I did this before the match started. I wrote down the bar beat Titus well right. <laughs> But no, you had to go back and correct that. It can be done. Uh, Then we had the backstage segment that I talked about earlier with uh, with Brian and Shane. That was good. That was really good. And actually, it was almost going to be. It was almost good from Shane, really. In fact, actually, I really like Shane's last line, where Brian just says all these things, where essentially it's like your family are full of dicks, mate, and and that essentially makes means you're a dick as well. Mm -hmm. And then Shane just paused and was like, "Let's agree to disagree. I'm going to leave you alone now." 
because Shane thinks that he is becoming unstable. But Brian's got this this plan, it seems. I think there's so much in here. I, I do agree with you. Um, in practice, I think it's it's drawing out too long. I would like some bigger bigger beats yeah. between the, uh, the kind of you kind of appreciate a good novel. <laughs> uh, and finally, the main event was the handicap match of the baby faces, Orton, AJ, and Nakamura beating Owens and Zayn. Yes. So uh, on this, you know, the surface of things, this would seem like it's an unfair advantage for the baby faces. This seems like it would be a really daft thing. If this was done in mm. TNA, we'd say like this is stupid because the heels are at the disadvantage. This doesn't get anyone over. But this perfectly plays into Shane's story where he hates Owens and Zayn and and he's they're basically him and Brian are fighting over booking these people into the matches that favours the people that maybe mm. they're trying to favour so Brian has booked them into a handicap match where they've got the advantage Shane was like well I'll, I'll show you I'm going to book them in a handicap match where they have the disadvantage but this only further fuels Owens and Zane's plight against Shane McMahon and the booking that they've received on Smackdown Live which is a great little extra note in the story not only that it also plays into the Royal Rumble match you got at the end of the month because this match showed if you have a two-on-one advantage you're likely going to win which then that builds up into AJ's story where he's mm. like now if you're watching this as a fan you're like well AJ's in a two-on-one scenario at the Royal Rumble maybe he's going to lose his title yeah it's it's it all works on paper for me uh, like I can't if you were to say to me oh we're going to have this really good back and forth one one week we'll have the heels getting the upper hand with a match dynamic the next week the baby faces will have the advantage in the match like I could be like okay that sounds good on paper like I totally agree with that but in practice it it was it just didn't connect with me because I think you're just grumpy no, I, I, you're I, not I, sleeping well it never really works uh, heels at heels at a disadvantage. I just the, there must be another way you can book around this, where you can still tell this very good story that they're telling, but not have to have it result in a match that is dramatically not as interesting as it could be because yeah. the dynamics wrong. I mean, but perhaps you you know you you could put it that way. I I just think they're telling this story very well, and you've also got Corey Graves on commentary then being like this this is ludicrous mm. because you've got Kevin and Owens. I mean, they're on their own as the heel commentator, heelish commentator that he is, ignoring the fact that come the Royal Rumble, they're going to have the advantage over AJ Styles. Not only that as well, but you also had further fuel to Sammy and Owens' fire of them trying to walk out and Shane coming out being like, no, 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 it's a no, it's a no counter match. Then they're trying to get themselves DQ'd. No, 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 it's a no DQ match. He's being a heel authority figure, screwing them over, but they're the heels mm. and, and it's it's a really weird dynamic but for me it kind of like it's it didn't work for a long time but the way that they've kind of told the story over time it now it really does work for me and as i said my prediction for next week is that brian is going to announce that well they had this uh, disadvantage last week so come the royal rumble i'm going to give AJ Styles the same disadvantage it is going to be a no count out match mm. it's going to be a no DQ match because AJ could just try and disqualify himself in the match yeah yeah uh, I, I, it's weird because the exact same arguments that I'm putting towards this angle could be leveled at Jason Jordan and mm-hmm. which I'm a huge fan of because Jason Jordan is when he had his match against Cesaro last week on Raw it was heel versus heel something you really shouldn't do uh, when booking matches psychologically it doesn't work but I loved it and I thought it really did work but the crowd weren't into it so I wasn't I, I definitely wasn't connecting with the mainstream opinion there so it just yeah it just, and the it, crowd was into this 
crowd were really into the good guys beating up the bad guys and the bad mm. guys getting their comeuppance. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I'd, it's what I feel. The long term, I think it's taken that the story's uh, hit a snag and it's it's taking too long to tell itself now. And this particular chapter in the story, I didn't think was dramatically engaging. And for like the... Smackdown has got a cliffhanger problem. I'm never like, ooh, I can't wait to see what's what's happening next week because they just end with resolution most of the time. The, the baby faces won. last week. What happened last week? He announced the handicap match. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, that was that was a good uh, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, but the the week bit. So on Raw though, you've always got like you know the Miz standing over someone uh, over Reigns this week, standing tall. I just feel like SmackDown does not have that cliffhanger element and it really should build up on that more Smackdown TV. Smackdown loves to end its shows with Randy Orton celebrating yes yeah god that is a a worrying fact well that's all we've got time for we're not going to say who we in your like streamlining of this show streamlined version who are you going to go for Smackdown I'm going to go Raw I said Smackdown you said Raw hmm well, let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> well, usually you and I are very much in agreement on this, but the more I thought about SmackDown, the more we talked about it, the more I thought, yeah, that was a, a darn fine show, actually. Not like a, man, you've got to go out of your way to see this show. There was some awesome stuff on it. Not that at all. Like mm. You could totally miss it, uh, but you could watch everything in the recap package next week and be all caught up with the little seeds of, of plot that they put in there. Not only the recap package, but then shortly after, Shane McMahon will recap the recap package yes. and explain why he's why I am angry with this person. And I don't trust this person either. Exposition, exposition, exposition. Yes. We wouldn't let it happen in a movie. Why the hell are we letting it happen in a wrestling promo? I don't know, because Road Dog is the lead writer, I suppose. Mm. Or is he... He's a writer. Is he a writer? I don't. I love to get a proper chart. Like you know, when they draw them up in mafia court cases. Yeah. And here, like this person's the capo. Mm-hmm. And here's the don at the top, and the soldiers just want that for each brand. Uh, can I tell you a funny story from the uh, Chris Jericho Kenny Omega podcast? It's I know have to I'd, be quick. I know we've got to be quick. Um, so Kenny Omega was the one that got Don Callis mm. the job as commentator in New Japan, and that spun off from a Chris Jericho podcast where Don Callis had said to Kenny Omega, "Mate, if you can get me a job in New Japan, that'd be great." So Kenny went to Gato and suggested this, and Gato was like, "Don't know who he is." Um, so he was like, "Oh, Cyrus, um, uh, Truth Commission, don't remember him." And so he's like, oh, okay. So he suggested, oh, he's got a podcast. It's in English, you won't understand it, but he's got a podcast. Listen to the podcast. Uh, he's on the Chris Jericho network. So they listened to the podcast and said, he's good. We're going to gonna get him. And they were like, awesome. So Kenny texted Don and said, Don, you got the job. You got the gig. Expect a call from New Japan today. And that call never came. The call never came. The next day, uh, Kenny got a text message saying, like, they've hired Lance Storm. Oh, they no. they listen to Don Callis's podcast that he does with Lance Storm. <laughs> Mistaken Lance Storm for Don Callis. Well, oh, essentially, they, they liked Don Callis, but thought he was Lance he Storm. He was Lance Storm. That happens when people have similar voices. I, I imagine a lot of people think we're maybe have our names the wrong way around. Very much so. But I do recommend the Kenny Omega um, mm. uh, episode with Jericho. Also, he tells a great story about his entrance, about he had this big grand plan for it. And it kind of shoots a little bit on New Japan for, for not following up on it. 
Well, you know, that's... There's a headline for you tomorrow if you want. Ooh, that's what we do. We, uh, you don't have to listen to other podcasts. We'll just summarise them here. That's what I do. Aren't we great? So we'll see you on Saturday with a news episode. We'll, uh, some crap gimmicks and all that lovely stuff. Yeah, love you, bye. Oh, that's well, your that's line. That's my line. Just step on my toes. Love it. you, bye. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena, 16-time WWE champ, saying support Russell Talk because they talk about wrestling, and I like it. So do us all a favour and subscribe, please. Uh, thank you.